hello from the East Coast to the West Coast and to listeners around the world. Welcome to the Truth Seekers Radio Show. I'm your host, Angeline Marie. Thanks for taking the time to join us today. We're broadcasting on Liberty Works Radio Network at libertyworksradionetwork.com and their affiliate stations. Also, you can now hear us on the K-Star Talk Radio Network at kstartalkradio.com. And don't forget, you can always learn more about our program and find podcasts posted at truthseekersradioshow.com. Today, my guest is Adele Weiss. He's the owner of Weiss and Associates. And if you followed my program for any amount of time, I interviewed him about exactly one year ago. Adele has done extensive research in the field of the federal income tax for over 25 years and has combined his analysis into workable solutions for his clients. Mr. Weiss has a master's degree in constitutional tax law, and after undergraduate school, he started working in the private sector and later realized the need for deeper knowledge in the field of the federal income tax. He's continually stressed that the federal income tax is completely lawful within the singular and limited jurisdiction known as the District of Columbia and its U.S. territories. Mr. Weiss explains the differences between the two existing jurisdictions. And today we're going to talk to him more about the federal income tax and how it affects the American taxpayer. So if you will help me welcome Adele Weiss. How are you doing today, Adele? Doing fine. Good to be with you again. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day. It's about that time of year where the federal um, income tax is affecting our lives and we have to file our you know, papers and we're, we run scared. We have this fear of the IRS. So I thought it was only appropriate that you and I t- spoke again because last year, if I remember correctly, I asked you a lot about the basics who was liable for federal income tax, who wasn't, how you got involved in it. But I thought it might be a good idea now to go deeper into maybe how we can exit what you call the U.S. Tax Club. So um, before we go into what I wanted to talk about today, Adele, let's refresh the memories of the listeners, or maybe we have some new listeners. Who is actually liable for uh, income tax, and who is not? That's a very good starting point, Angeline, and we'll start with the U.S. taxpayers. There are two groups, and I will give you confident information in just a moment about federal appellate court decisions that illustrate there are indeed two separate and distinct groups. U.S. taxpayers is one group. The second group are lawful non-taxpayers. So when we discuss what we're talking about, we're really focusing in on those who are lawful non-taxpayers as delineated by the federal appellate courts, U.S. Supreme Court, and a lot of uh, the documentation created by the federal government. So I'll just briefly give you the list, and there's about seven of them that are U.S. taxpayers. The very first one are public officials, so those who are federal employees, federal officers, and elected federal officials of the government They are the first group. The second group are those who are U.S. resident aliens. The third group are those who are statutory U.S. persons. The fourth group are those who are statutory U.S. citizens. The fifth group are those who derive income from the use of federal property. The next group, number six, are non-resident alien individuals who live in American Samoa, Puerto Rico, basically U.S. territories. The last group that are in this group called U.S. taxpayers are non-resident alien individuals who made a voluntary election to be taxed as if they were U.S. resident aliens. And this is the subject of a lot of concern for a lot of Americans, and it's primarily due to the fact that the vast majority of Americans have filed an income tax return. They've joined the tax club based on presumption and assumptions. They have not based it on the law. So from a full disclosure standpoint, 
The terms and conditions of such a voluntary election were never presented to any American that I've ever talked to. There is no willful and knowing intent on their part to make a voluntary election, if you will, and they certainly had no awareness of the ramifications or the impact of making such a voluntary election. Now, a lot of people, when they hear all of this, they get a little overwhelmed, but those are the basic seven classifications. The group that we focus in on are Americans who the government refers to the term non-resident alien individuals who have made this voluntary election, but they did so without full disclosure, without complete awareness or any awareness, and therefore they had no willful and knowing intent to submit themselves to be taxed as if they were not Americans, not American nationals as we call them, or any other classification, but they're treated as if they were U.S. resident aliens. And this is found in a regulation, 26 CFR 1.871-1A. So it is an option that the government permits people to join their tax club, but they have to offer the option to leave the tax club so that they will not be sued in the future and they don't violate the basically the legislative intent of the 16th Amendment. There's more to talk about some of those things. Now let's talk about the other group that are the non-taxpayers. And before I get into that, let me just actually give you a reference uh, to a federal appellate court case that may explain what I'm trying to say, that there's two different groups. And that case was back in 1922, and the site is basically Long versus Rasmussen, and Rasmussen was the equivalent of basically the IRS commissioner of today, as you know it. And this is, in this uh, site is 281F236. And I quote, the revenue laws are a code or system of regulation of tax assessment and collection. They, the revenue laws, relate to taxpayers and not the non-taxpayers. The latter, the non-taxpayers, are without the scope. No procedure, procedure would be liens, levies, assessments, for example. No procedure is prescribed for non-taxpayers, and no attempt is made to annul any of their rights or remedies in due course of law. With them, Congress does not assume to deal, and they are neither of the subject nor of the object of the revenue laws. So here you have an admission by a federal appellate court. It was also 50 years later in the economy, plumbing, and heating decision by yet another federal appellate court that basically reverberated the same exact theme that you've just heard from Long v. Rasmussen. So there are, again, two separate groups. You know who the U.S. taxpayers are now, and you know that there's a group called non-taxpayers, but there's no identification as to who they are just from this federal appellate court case. And what we found by our journey of 25 years of research, or I found rather, it's been a process of using the terms that the government used to find out and sift through the information. And the terminology that the Congress uses to identify Americans born in the Constitutional Republic, the 50 states of the Union, they call them non-resident alien individuals. Now, if you ask most Americans, are you a U.S. citizen, or would you classify yourself as a non-resident alien individual? Well, the most obvious response that we keep receiving, people identify themselves as U.S. citizens. And then when we ask them to define what that means, then the light bulbs start coming on. They start slowing down and not sure where they're going with it. So if you don't know the definitions that the government uses to define statutory U.S. citizens, you're going to get yourself into a real quagmire very quickly. And let me give you the federal definition for the term U.S. citizen, because this is directly related to the revocation of election. And this is found in 3C AMJUR. Now, AMJUR stands for the American Journal of Jurisprudence, and it's 2D, and the section is 2689. By the way, we have all this information posted on our resource center on our website, 
tab for the Resource Center is just above homepage illustration. And here is that quote. A person is born subject to the jurisdiction of the United States for purposes of acquiring citizenship at birth if his or her birth occurs in territory over which the United States is sovereign. And it then continues. Now, most Americans realize that the 50 states of the Union are not part of U.S. territories. Now, U.S. territories were acquired at the end of the Spanish-American War in 1898. Those territories are separate and distinct. However, they have the same nomenclature. They're called by the government states of the United States. And when you look at the term United States, it gets a little more confusing because they use the same words, but their definitions on the federal government side is completely different than what the average American would assume to be defined by, and especially in context to the Constitution. So this is where the journey happens to occur. That, the, that really is the starting point of the revocation of election. You must understand there are two different groups. U.S. taxpayers lawfully owe the federal income tax. There's no question. But the second group, the non-taxpayers, as the federal appellate court that I've illustrated already has mentioned, they are the group that have no liability. They're neither of the subject nor of the object of the revenue laws, and they were never born in federal territory. So they can't be called U.S. citizens, and that's why we use the term American nationals. It is a non-statutory term to hopefully separate the thinking of a lot of people by generically using the term U.S. citizen. Okay, I think this is a good stopping place to take our first break, and then we'll pick it up on the other side when we come back. That's okay with you. Listeners, today my guest is Adele Weiss. He is the owner of Weiss & Associates. We're discussing the federal income tax, who's liable, who's not, and how do you exit the U.S. Tax Club. And we'll be back momentarily on the Truth Seekers radio show. If you're struggling to pay or haven't been making your student loan payments, listen carefully to this urgent alert. Have you been out of school for 10 or more years and you're still making your student loan payments? Are your student loans past due or even in default? Can't go back to school because of an old student loan problem? We can help you if you qualify. Your student loans can be taken out of default. We can stop the wage garnishments, stop the collection calls, and stop the seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and see if we can help you reduce your student loan payments. One quick 10-minute call could solve them right now. So call the Student Loan Helpline now. 855-371-FAST, 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 855-371-3278. This is a fee-based document preparation service to help you access free government programs. Call for complete details not available in all states. Not too long ago, it felt good to withdraw your cash from the bank, didn't it? For a vacation or a new car. But today, withdrawing your own cash has become risky. Pat Boone here for Swiss America. According to The Secret War, a new Swiss America white paper, I learned that all banks are now required to spy on you and me for the government and then report any financial behavior deemed suspicious or unusual. You must read The Secret War. It's free. Truth is, I believe the government's new war against cash is really a war against us all. But The Secret is now out. So please, get and read The Secret War. Call 800-631-0976-800-631-0976-800-631-0976. Call right now. That number again is 800-631-0976. Welcome back. You're listening to the Truth Seekers radio show. And today my guest is Adele Weiss. He's the owner of Weiss and Associates, and he is telling us who is liable and who is not liable for the federal income tax. So, Adele, just to summarize what we were talking about in the first segment, it it appears that all of this is trickery or play of 
play on words and from the federal government standpoint. So what you're saying is most of the average Americans that work fall under the second group, which was the non-resident alien. And we've all um, just assumed that we're liable for these taxes. And from what I remember from the first program is we we volunteer to pay these when we file our first tax forms. Is that correct? That is correct. You join the tax club at that moment. Okay. So um, we can pick up where you wanted to pick up before we left for the break. And I know that we're going to talk about revocation of election here soon, right? Yes, we're heading into that real quickly. I'm just going to mention one regulation, and then we'll move directly into the process of the revocation of election. The regulation that I want to mention, if you will, your audience will write it down because it's worth going to Cornell University Law website to look these definitions up, and that regulation is 26 CFR, and the Code of Federal Regulations, and the section is 1.871-1 little a. And I will start kind of midway in that first paragraph. And I quote, non-resident alien individuals are taxable only on certain income from sources within the United States and from sources without the United States that are effectively connected with the conduct of a trade or business in the United States. Now, the United States has a separate jurisdictional definition. If you look at the Internal Revenue Code 7408 little d, you will find that the United States means the District of Columbia, not the 50 states of the Union. So that's the first distinction. Now it says, as I continue in this regulation, one more sentence. However, non-resident alien individuals may elect. That's the voluntary election. And this is the one that you want to revoke, the election under Section 6013 GRH to be taxed or treated as U.S. residents. Now, U.S. residents is a euphemism, if you will, for U.S. resident alien. So the national government knows that from the very beginning, starting with the Pollock versus Farmers Loan and Trust decision, 1895, that they cannot levy the income tax as a direct tax upon Americans unless they adhere to the rule of apportionment requirement as stated in Article One, Section 2, and Section 9 of the Constitution. And this was admitted to later on by former POTUS or President of the United States, William H. Taft, on June 16, 1909, in which he wrote the legislative intent of the 16th Amendment. So you will find that he admitted that the government was deprived of having any authority to levy this income tax directly upon the American people. If you read the wording of the 16th Amendment, it's very clear they omitted every inclusion or any reference to the rule of apportionment based on census and enumeration. So we have two jurisdictions. We have two types of U.S. citizens. We have two types of United States. It's very, very important not to get these words mixed up and make a generalized presumption that you're talking about the correct one. Now, the revocation of election was started uh, by the government. In fact, you can find in the statute created by the U.S. Congress, 6013G, which is one of the ways you can join the tax club, as that regulation I just read talked about. And here it says under 6013G4A that you may terminate that election. But the parties that are terminating the election are called non-resident alien individuals. It is a euphemism, meaning those who were born in the Constitutional Republic or naturalized there. And that is the audience that we're trying to approach with the concept get rid of this flat earth mentality that thinks that everybody should pay their fair share and so forth. If you owe it, you should pay it. But if you've never had this law 
imposed upon you by either working for the national government or being one of those seven types of U.S. taxpayers are already referred to, then you don't have any liability for the tax. And that is based, again, on Long versus Rasmussen. It's very clear there's two separate groups. So we're trying to wake up the American people to understand that they have the option to either stay in the tax club and donate their hard-earned assets, or they have the option provided by the U.S. Congress, not us, but by the U.S. Congress under 6013G4A to leave what we call the U.S. Tax Club and to leave it legally without any pressure. And there's a process that you have to send it to IRS locations. We provide an 11-page document which you notarize. We will provide all the information about who to send the documents to. And once you complete this process, the individuals are completely out of the U.S. Tax Club. And I will just do a little PR here. Our website is wifeparis.com. Wife is W-E-I-S-S, Paris, like the city, dot com. So anyway, you can go there and you can read a lot of it. We also have YouTube videos under our resource center, and we have a number of them, one of which is the revocation of election. We have another one on jurisdiction. We've just recently added three on withholding of federal income taxes. And this is for those who work in the private sector. Uh, Patrick, if you would. And uh, we're really trying to bring home the fact that in the Internal Revenue Manual, if you'll look on our, again, our resource center, under the Internal Revenue Manual section 5.14.10.2.2, I know that's a lot of numbers, but uh, again, 5.14.10.2.2. And I state this one quote, it's just a simple sentence, private employers, states, and political subdivisions, such as county government, are not required to enter into payroll deduction agreements those who are U.S. taxpayers should determine whether their employers will accept and process executed agreement. But there is, as you can see from reading or listening to this, and you can read it on our resource center, there is no requirement for private sector employers, state governments or city, county governments included in that group. They're not required to withhold any, any taxes for the federal government. There is no imperative requirement made by the government. They just can't do it, and they admit it. And the date on this was 9-30-2004, payroll deduction agreement. Adele, what has been your experience, though, in reality when you have somebody go through this revocation of election and then it comes time to where maybe they have to deal with their employer and try to explain this? I mean, we're, we've all been brainwashed for so long, and the mindset is so in stone. How do you really, in the real world, try to persuade the employer that he no longer has to collect these taxes on you? Well, that's a very important issue because we're not uh, an enforcement agency, obviously. We, we can't make people abide by the law any more than you can or anybody else, and people have to understand that part of it. Now, most of the problems, if there are any that I think that you're addressing here by that question, would relate to a W-2 type employee status. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, a lot of the companies are not open-minded. They've been doing this process to the point where they're conditioned. They're not thinking pragmatically. They're locked into the flatter society thinking. This is the way it's always been done. Everybody's going to pay their fair share. All Americans are U.S. taxpayers, so on and so forth. They don't want to hear anything because they're fearful of the national government. There's a great deal of fear involved, just like you alluded to in your earlier comment. And so we've created these YouTube videos for clients that are revocation of election clients that have W-2-type environment they work under to let the employer hopefully look at the video because most of the clients are not able to articulate this in front of an employer. They're nervous. It's probably new information for them as well. And they may say things that are inappropriate or not exactly correct. 
And so we've tried to accomplish that objective. But can you change the mind of somebody that's refusing to think because they're acting out of fear? That's a little bit more difficult. Now, those that are 1099, there is hardly any issue at all that we've ever had. Mm-hmm. In fact, we have not had any. Those who have no prior non-filing for years, like, for example, 2016 is just being wrapped up now with this new tax season that we're heading into, what everybody thinks of as tax season. Um, so if they're completing the process before April 15, then they can actually take advantage of stopping all contributions for 2017 and every year thereafter. Now, if they have not filed for 2010, 2011, or something like that in the past, then the revocation of elections does not cover those years. It only starts the year in which you correctly send this documentation to the two IRS locations and as to two IRS officials. And once you send it to those locations, you're immediately out of the U.S. Tax Club. We have a letter called a Letter 288C that's posted on our website that was sent by the IRS after they received the revocation of election documents that we create for our clients. And they admitted that the documents have now been recorded and put into their records and databases. We've tried to get a lot more of these letters for additional clients, but the IRS realized what they were doing, and they stopped it. And because they don't want this information to get out, it's going to be a brush fire, I guess is what they're thinking. And they don't want to create any more admissions of it. But again, the IRS themselves, I don't think they're bad people. I don't think they're purposely doing things. A lot of the people are operating just under the guidelines that they have. But the upper echelon personnel, they know full well what is being discussed here today. Mm-hmm. They know it better than most Americans would ever think their government officials would know. So the option is there. The revocation of election is a statute-based opportunity or option for Americans to fulfill their ultimate desires to get out of the tax club, or if they're too fearful, they'll just stay in it. They're the ones that have to make the choice. But if they choose to move forward and to leave the U.S. tax club, then we have a list of eight strict criteria just to cover ourselves and make sure that they are reading our material and understand it well enough to make that a quality decision that they're trying to make because it will save them income losses for years in their future. And, again, it's the U.S. Congress that wrote these statutes, not us. Okay, Adele, let's take our second break. Listeners, today my guest is Adele Weiss. He's the owner of Weiss & Associates. We're discussing how you can exit the U.S. Tax Club. And we'll be back momentarily on the Truth Seekers radio show. Attention business owners, we know that owning a business means getting things done right now. So if your right now list includes a new building, call the right now company, General Steel. We can design a building for your business quickly and save you thousands of dollars. That's right, thousands. You may think General Steel only builds large projects or that you can't afford General Steel quality. Well, check these prices. How about a 40 by 60 foot building for under $22,000 or even a 50 by 100 for under $35,000? That's right, a 5000 square foot building for under $35,000. And these buildings all have General Steel quality. Best of all, you can still order a building and have it delivered in time to build this year. How's that for right now? So if your right now list includes a new building, call the right now company, General Steel. 800 That's 800-965-1291. Want to lose weight? Then turn your body into a furnace that literally melts the fat away. That's exactly what Thermometer does. Thermometer is uniquely formulated with patented ingredients like bitter orange, brown seaweed, and decaffeinated green tea. Their combined thermogenic properties boost up your metabolism and turn up the heat in your body so you melt the fat away without any jittery side effects. Thermometer is not available in stores. It's only available to listeners.
listeners of this station. We're giving away 100 free bottles right now to anyone who enrolls in our special trial offer. Call now for your risk-free trial offer. 800-430-4147 One more time, 800-430-4147 Welcome back. You're listening to the Truth Seekers radio show today. My guest is Adele Weiss. He's the owner of Weiss and Associates, and he is explaining today who's liable for federal income tax, who's not, and how you can exit the U.S. tax club. So, Adele, before uh, we went to break, you were wrapping up a revocation of election. Now, how does it work if somebody has stepped through the process of revocation of election, but they're collecting Social Security? How does that work? Well, Social Security is another area that is basically a franchise tax scheme by the government. If you read Fleming versus Nestor and U.S. Railroad Retirement Board versus Fritz, these are Supreme Court decisions, and they're in the 19th century. So, or 20th century, I should say. Um, so it's not something obscure way back in time. <clears throat> but these basically are saying that the federal income, excuse me, the Social Security tax is basically a tax scheme, that it is not a contract, that the government can, the government being the U.S. Congress, can amend, repeal, and revoke the Social Security at any time they choose to do so. Now, for the individuals who are paying into that, if they have 10 years or 40 quarters, as we understand it, those laws may have changed. We don't look at the Social Security that frequently. But the the law says that once you are invested or vested, I should say, with 10 years of contributions, then it's up to the individual to continue that process or not. We don't really advocate one way or the other. Mm -hmm. But, again, those are separate types of taxes. They're unrelated to the federal income tax, but yet there is some affinity or corresponding relationship at the same time. Did I answer that well enough? So, or do I... so are you saying that if, because say somebody's retired and they've been collecting and then they go through through this because you still have to pay tax even on your uh, social security income. So are you saying they would know they could still collect that money cuz some people depend on that income. Well, that's very important and you're absolutely right. Most Americans unfortunately uh, depend on that money as a retirement safety net. Now, if you if you have these we have our clients, I guess I should say it this way. We ask our clients to contact the Social Security Administration and ask what is the maximum amount that they can receive before they become liable for any income tax claims based on Social Security payments, just Social Security. All right. Now, if it's a, I think it's twenty five thousand uh, dollars annually. So if they're receiving monthly payments of say eighteen hundred dollars a month. They're well under that twenty-five thousand annualized amount, and there is no income tax based on the we've received by looking at Social Security Administration records on this. So they can certainly continue to receive their money. They don't have any reporting, no requirement file or anything. If they exceed that number, then they need to talk to the Social Security about what amounts would need to be viewed as if they are taxes because they are receiving in this context, money from the national government. Now, um, after someone goes through everything to exit the tax club, and let's say we move forward in life, now how do you go about, how do you um, recommend to people when they go forward, when they're filling out forms or answering questions in the future and they're asked, are you a U.S. citizen? What do you tell them? 
or do you? I mean, do you talk about that? Well, we don't give legal advice. We're not members of the American Bar Association, and so we will give people concepts based on what we would do if we were challenged with the same type of decision. And on any federal government form, they will always reference U.S. citizen, but they will never define the term. They don't want Americans to understand what it is they're saying with their words of art, their semantic gamesmanship. So what we have done individually for those uh, clients is to give them things like they may want to actually define, put a little asterisk above the word, and then write the definition out. And the definition on any federal form is not to be confused with an 8 U.S.C. 1401A statutory U.S. citizen. They could even refer to the Amjur section that I mentioned was not born in territory belonging to the national government. So you're, you're basically defining the term so that the use of that term on a federal form is now modified because you've actually defined it and stated this is not who I am. I'm not a statutory U.S. citizen. I'm one born in the Constitutional Republic. And that's a very important distinction to make on any federal form. And you're permitted to do that. I mean, there's, there's no reason that you can't define the terms if they're not defining them. Because, see, you're signing a lot of these things under penalty of perjury. Mm-hmm. And, and this is why you must clearly state what your position is. And obviously, these are federal laws. These are federal statutes, so it, which only are applicable within the realm of the District of Columbia and U.S. territory. These laws don't apply to Americans born in the Constitutional Republic unless they made that voluntary election and now want to leave. They're free to do so, and they don't carry that burden with them. Now, out of all the people that you've helped step through this revocation of election, how many people have been challenged or have anybody any been challenged? Just on the revocation of election itself, I assume that's what you're directing. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, because of the year in which they start, if they send it to the two locations, the IRS officials that we identify, they follow our instructions correctly, mm-hmm. and they're adhering to basically the structure of the U.S. Congress, which provides them the option to leave the U.S. Tax Club, we have had no complaints whatsoever. And we have over, I quit counting it, 3,000 clients already. Because basically they're following the process in which the federal government has laid out. So that is correct. if that's been your experience, that tells me that they do, in fact, know what's going on, and that's why no challenges. Right, and again, that's why they wrote this 288C letter, which we have an exhibit. We redacted the name. Uh, what's the date on that? In August 2016 is the post date for that document in our resource center. And people can look this up and see for themselves. And it's very clear that the wording they use in there that they recorded in their records and database represent the nomenclature that we use on our revocation of election process. And so they are clearly saying that once you complete the process, you're out of the U.S. tax club. Now, they don't they don't say it quite in that terms. But they use the statement, we have received your information regarding your revocation of election established by the U.S. Congress and have associated the information with your account. So what they're doing is they're admitting that they have recorded it. You're completely out of the tax club based, again, on what the U.S. Congress permitted you to have the option to take. And this remains a benefit for the rest of your life, especially your working life. So it's a wonderful, wonderful, this is the most requested service we have in our whole program. And Adele, about how long does it take for this process for somebody from start to finish? Well, we request that each client send registered mail the documentation to the IRS locations that we tell them to send them to, to the officers. And once they are received, it is in effect at that moment. It's, it's like 15 nanoseconds after they get it, because once it's been formally received, it is in effect. And by the way, they need to get proof of delivery, and that's why we're, we really advocate using 
registered mail. Now, you can try certified mail. But some people don't get their cards back mm-hmm. and don't send them to the right party that we mm-hmm. tell them to. Then they have to resubmit correctly. Okay, and I know I keep bringing this up and beating a dead horse, but I'm trying to um, appeal to the people out there that if they do this, they have to think about, you know, real-world scenarios because it all sounds great, but then when we're in that um, situation and we have to go to our employers. So let's say I go through the revocation of election process and I get a job with a new employer, and they present me with those W-4 forms to complete. Well, what would I do, or what would you recommend I do at that point? Well, this is where they have to find out the attitude of the employer. If it's a large, multinational, multi-billion-dollar corporation, mm-hmm. it's a well-fixed-in-stone attitude on most of them, from what we've seen. They don't want to hear it, and they don't like it because they're afraid of the government. Mm-hmm. And they either may have contracts with the government or something of that magnitude, mm-hmm. because you can understand the impact of what this is going to do. Uh, but the reality is the government created this problem themselves. It wasn't the American people. Right. But the problem, again, focuses on the fact 500 years ago, Galileo and Copernicus were dealing with the same flat-earth mentality. And the first reaction by the flat-earth thinkers is they get angry. They become fearful. They don't want to listen to it because you're upsetting their paradigm. The status quo worked, and, and in their mind, that's all I need to know. But as you have seen, you can take that Internal Revenue Manual statute uh, section that I quoted on 2004, which is posted. It's 514.10.2.2, where it says, again, private Employers, states, and political subdivisions are not required to enter into payroll deduction agreements. The key words are are not required. And the private sector employers can be anywhere from Boeing to to McDonald's to wherever. So these are the situations that you have to come to the employer and present them with a reasonable, well-structured, and then give them the YouTube video and let them look at these documents, let them look at the video. And this mainly is for W-2. In fact, it's wrapped solely for W-2 type employee relationships. The 1099s are never a question because they receive their full payment and they're responsible for taking care of it. So okay. there's no withholding. Okay, Adele, let's take our last break. we got one more segment, so we'll um, try to wrap up what you think are some of the more important points before we leave the listeners today. Listeners, today my guest is Adele Weiss. He's the owner of Weiss and Associates. We're discussing how you can exit the U.S. Tax Club, and we'll be back momentarily on the Truth Seekers radio show. can control your health care with Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is an alternative to expensive health insurance. You can finally make the right decisions for you and your family. It's not insurance, it's medical cost sharing. You can affordably control the cost of your medical expenses. It's a group of individuals effectively sharing the cost of health care and paying far less for it. You don't even have to pay for procedures that are unnecessary or that violate your conscience. This is based on shared values. You are not alone. With Liberty Health Share, you're part of something bigger, a group of people who care for and support one another. Join the movement of people who share in medical costs and change the way you pay for your health care forever. It's simple and easy. Call 1-800-714-6993 right now for more information. Or visit LibertyOnCall.com. Get a free estimate today. Liberty HealthShare. There is an answer. Not too long ago, it felt good to withdraw your cash from the bank, didn't it? For a vacation or a new car. But today, withdrawing your own cash has become risky. Pat Boone here for Swiss America. According to The Secret War, a new Swiss America white paper, I learned that all banks are now required to spy on you and me for the government and then report any financial behavior deemed suspicious or unusual. 
You must read The Secret War. It's free. Truth is, I believe the government's new war against cash is really a war against us all. But The Secret is now out. So please, get and read The Secret War. Call 800-631-0976-800-631-0976-800-631-0976. Call right now. That number again is 800-631-0976. Welcome back. You're listening to the Truth Seekers radio show today. My guest is Adele Weiss. He is the owner of Weiss and Associates. And we are discussing how you can exit the U.S. tax club. Uh, Del, could you give your website information, how the con- uh, the listeners can contact you and look at your resources again? Certainly. Our website is Weiss, W-E-I-S-S, Paris, like the city, WeissParis.com. And we, on the homepage, we have a lot of information about the revocation of election. They can click on that logo, and it'll take you to a whole page and give you a lot of information. Our email address is bilateral, again, bilateral, at gmx.com, and they can correspond by email with us, and we'll be happy to address their questions. And if necessary, we'll even make a phone call to try to clear up a few questions that maybe our Q&A section doesn't address or from our videos has not been clearly explained to them Mm -hmm. in their minds. Now, Adele, Certainly, all of the years that you've been involved in this, I'm sure you have been faced with that attitude about, well, but isn't that, um, isn't paying this federal income tax just us paying our fair share? What do you say to people that might present that kind of a attitude toward the federal income tax? Well, for those who are U.S. taxpayers, a group of seven that I mentioned, they should pay their fair share. They should pay every penny that they owe, every penny that an accountant will determine is lawfully or legally, I should say, due to the government because they are U.S. taxpayers. For those who are non-taxpayers, as Long v. Rasmussen, as Economy Plumbing and Heating versus the U.S. have decided, these are federal appellate courts, it's very clear that there's two different groups. So if you're in that group called non-taxpayers, and you revoke the election, you're in that non-taxpayer group. You literally go back into the Constitutional Republic, and you have no nexus with the government and their income tax scheme. So that's how you address it. Those who are taxpayers should and must file and pay, pay their fair share, uh, don't be a tax cheat, don't do anything that would be inappropriate that would get them in trouble with the IRS, because the government has them under their dominion and control, and they treat you exactly the way they want to treat you with their burden of the tax code. But again, for those Americans who want to leave the tax club permanently, if you read 6013G6, you will see that it's a one-time election. Once you leave the tax club, you can never re-enter. And this is based on the U.S. Congress, not me. Okay? Mm-hmm. So it's a wonderful benefit, it's a lifetime benefit, and it's something that a lot of people should take a serious look at. I'm going to close with this one statute here, and if you have any other follow-up, we'll address it. But this is the Department of Treasury statute, 31 U.S.C. 321-D, it's a little d, number one and number two. And I'm just going to quote a couple of sentences in it. Gifts and bequests of money and proceeds from the sale of property received as gifts or bequests shall be deposited in the Treasury as a separate fund and dispersed or on order of the Secretary of Treasury. Property accepted under this paragraph and the proceeds thereof shall be as nearly as possible in accordance with the terms of the gift or bequest. Last sentence. For purposes of federal income taxes, property accepted under paragraph 1 shall be considered as a gift or bequest to and for the use of the United States, meaning the national government. So you can't sue the national government to get your money back. You've gifted it just like you gave to a charity. And once you give your money to that charity, it's not your money anymore. It's theirs. 
So these are things that the laws are written. The information is right there for all of us to see, but it's been buried for an awful long time. And it's very convoluted, and it's hard for the average person who's struggling to make a living, taking care of children and family obligations, to actually have the time to go through all this. And that's where we've tried to do our part. And I would also like to stress to the listeners to go back to the archives at truthseekersradioshow.com and listen to your first interview with me, because that was my aha moment when you got into the definitions. It's so important to start there and understand who's liable and who's not and why and why not. And I think once you finally understand that in the this uh, District of Columbia and how that's a, um, a foreign territory, and once you, all that those pieces come together, I think the, the light bulb goes on, and then you're ready maybe to start thinking about moving forward if, if in fact, that's where you want to go. But I think that was so important for me in understanding, um, you know, what you're doing. Yes, absolutely. Um, we have uh, one of the last or most frequent ones in our YouTube series. It basically says, how can the federal income tax be voluntary? And it's a short, roughly about five minutes or less. And it's worth looking at as well. So we've, we're putting more and more YouTube videos up to help people look at that and hopefully replay it, replay it, until they get a good sense of what you're describing. And with your audio from last year and this one added to this, it's probably going to be a very complete uh, discussion. Right. Part A and Part B. So listeners, again, I would suggest that you go to truthseekersradioshow.com. Uh, re-listen to that. Like I said, it was last year. I think I interviewed you at the end of February last year, and then I'm going to have this um, show up as soon as it airs. And then, Adele, give us your uh, contact information again one more time for the listeners. Okay, our email address is bilateral at gmxgeorgemikezerox.com. Our website is weissparis.com. And Please, by all means, look at our resource center, look at our YouTube videos, and our revocation of election will probably be the most exciting thing for most of your listeners. Adele, again, thanks so much for taking time to speak with us today. Listeners, today, again, my guest, Adele Weiss, owner of Weiss and & Associates, and he teaches really Who's, who should be paying federal income tax and who shouldn't. And it's really important to you because it affects every American taxpayer. And until next week on the Truth Seekers radio show, God bless. <laughs>